Audio conversation with Brett Oldham, recorded Sunday, May 25th, 2014. Last year, just a little bit over a year ago, Brett published a book titled Children of the Greys. It is his own first-person narrative talking about his experiences with uh, the UFO contact experience, the abduction experience. Now, I've read a lot of books like this, first-person stories, people sharing their direct experience in a book format. Uh, this one this one was tough to read. His story is pretty challenging. It is not uh, a love and light experience reading this book. Uh, he's had some frightening, dark experiences. The cover of the book features a blonde, big-eyed, alien, hybrid human child. Uh... The, the book deals a lot with the emotions connected with this, as well as uh, of some of the more frightening aspects and some of the more, I mean, difficult to tell aspects uh, dealing with with the fears, as well as the kind of stuff that goes on, but is rarely reported. Uh, a lot of stuff having to do with sex, actually, and uh, he tells it pretty straight, uh, and I got to give him credit for that. That took a lot of bravery. I was mostly quiet during this interview, and I and I had to kind of fight a little bit. I had to kind of grit my teeth so I didn't interrupt him, because if I did interrupt him, I would have been just saying, yes, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. That, that rings so true for me, which is oh, a little disconcerting given the given the context of what we were talking about. But I did, uh, I did resonate very strongly with, um, well, perhaps less his story and more the emotional challenges that accompanied his, his, his story, his life experience. Now, we touch on it a little bit during our discussion. Both Brett and I will be talking at a UFO conference taking place in September of this year, 2014, in Portland, Maine. It'll be on September 6th and 7th. It's a two-day conference, and it is specifically for experiencers. The title of the conference is Experiencers Speak, and there's a link on the sidebar, on the right-hand sidebar of the blog. And I'm looking forward to meeting Brett, as well as his wife, Gina. They both run a paranormal group. Actually, they're the only two members. They run a, a, a service where they do a paranormal research, mostly focused on ghost hunting. And it is interesting, we talk about it during during this uh, interview, as well as in his book. He covers it quite well. The fact that as an experiencer, as an abductee, uh, he feels strongly that he has heightened psychic skills and that these are uh, helping him out, or that these are opening a doorway, let's say, into the, the paranormal aspects of all this, is specifically the ghost hunting stuff. So we discuss that uh, in this interview, and I find that uh, really, really fascinating. I did not press Brett on some of the longer stories that are featured in the book. Um, I actually I talk about this right at the beginning, and, and I but I didn't want him to retell these emotionally challenging stories. Uh, there's no reason for him to tell them again when he's been featured on a series of podcasts where he talks about those events in great detail. I will simply put a few links on the show notes. And you, the listener, if you want to hear more, can just go to those uh, links and hear Brett talk about those experiences, um, because I've already heard them. And uh, and I'm much more interested, uh, less in the events, and more in how he's been dealing with them lately.
we were supposed to talk for an hour. Uh, we went for nearly two hours. Uh, this was probably the fastest two hours. Uh, it felt the fastest for me. It just was zipped by uh, of any interview I've ever done. The, the sense of kinship was very strong. Please enjoy. Hey, Brett, I just want to say thanks so much for saying yes to this interview. It means a lot to me. Well, I appreciate you the invite, uh, Mike, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I um, had I'd never heard of you, and then last year you published a book called Children of the Greys, and I just I guess this is a big question, but I'm just curious what the genesis of that book project was. Well, um, it, it took uh, it took well over twenty years to get the courage to write the book, and. Um, it's a it's a synopsis of my lifelong uh, abduction experiences, uh, all the way beginning from uh, my earliest memories of, of starting at five years old, um, and then uh, once uh, all the suppressed memories um, came out in my early twenties, and um, you know I've pretty much remembered a, a quite a bit since then, and I knew I had a lot to offer uh, to the uh, other abductees. I, I didn't want anybody to to basically like suffer in silence is what I like to call it uh, as I did for so many years and not telling people about their experiences and uh, I felt that uh, I had uh, some other insights to offer that might not have been out there before and uh, I also just wanted to help bring more awareness you know to the subject because uh, I knew I was setting myself up for for criticism and and ridicule and all that but I kind of reached a point in life where um, I was just ready to do it. I, I just knew that I could help others out there and and uh, that could relate to my experiences um, and maybe get the courage to start talking about their own experiences. And, and that's pretty much what's happened with it. Um, yeah, so I read the book and, and it, it, was, it had a big impact on me. There were a lot of things you said that I could relate very strongly to. Now, um, there you've shared, there's a, the stories in the book are very honest sometimes brutally so and yeah. um and you've shared a bunch of those stories uh, online in other uh podcasts and what i may do is just just link to some of those there's a few where you give a very um clear overview of your experiences and i may just put a link to those because i i i don't really want i, I just feel, i'll quite honestly i just feel bad sometimes saying can you retell the story you've told a thousand times and then <laughs> um uh, so, you know, you've done that very clearly on, a, on another series of podcasts, so I may just link those rather than have... Well, I'm sure we'll, oh, I'm sure we'll touch on some stuff, but um, especially some of the darker things. I just found it, I just, I just find it, you know, I, I just don't want you to have to retell those. I'd rather talk about the, the, the outcome of, of all of these events. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and when I wrote the book, I knew if I got the courage to, to come out with the book that I was going to lay it all out you know I, I didn't want to dance around uh, certain subjects and stuff and um, I, I I was brutally honest and it was embarrassing to some degree um, but it, I felt it was that important for people to to understand the reality of what goes on um, with these abduction experiences and and also you know the the, the not only the physical, uh, damage is done, but the psychological damage it's done by them as well. And so I, I did. I, I put it all out there, and uh, uh, just to 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 
once again, you know, to reiterate, this is what is happening. You know, uh, some people don't want to talk about it because uh, because of that, because it's too personal. And, and I don't think that helps any of us, you know. So I was willing to to uh, open myself up to that degree. And, uh, and I think because of that, I've had so many people contact me that said, oh, you know, I've had a very similar type thing happen, especially with um, a lot of the sexual stuff that I talk about and, and the fetuses being taken. And, um, you, you know, that a lot of women have contacted me and said they've never told anyone um, and that they had similar type experiences. You know, there's so many people out there that don't know, like, why, why they're having certain um, psychological symptoms and uh, and they may have just glimpses of memories of, of these events happening to them, but, you know, they don't want to accept it. And acceptance is one, one of the big things that uh, on the way to healing. Um, and uh, and that's a lot of people are in denial about it. And I was myself, you know, so it, it's just part of the the whole process to go through. And, and I think that when somebody uh, sees that I opened up about this, I think it kind of gives them a little bit of courage to to, to do the same thing. Oh, okay. Well, you're, then you're saying what you're saying could be my own words, basically. Where I have been uh, writing this blog, I've been working on this blog since 2009, and um, that was at a point when I was uh, like I hadn't come completely to terms with my own experiences yet. And in the early years of my writing on this you know, this website, this simple, this kind of humble little blog that not that many people visit. But the folks that do, I feel, are the ones that I most want to reach. And those are the folks that, that basically you were just describing. The folks that are, I don't want to say on the fence with this, but are dealing with with a, a limited amount of their own experiences and the fear and the confusion and the isolation that comes from that. Um, and And... And you can read it in my words, like early on. I mean, you, you don't have to read between the lines. You can just totally sense how challenged I was about all this. I still am challenged. I feel like I'm, I'm a little more at peace with it than I was then. But it is still an incredibly, uh, I guess, challenging is the only word. I mean, it is it is a, it is a struggle to to try to even comprehend this reality. Yeah, and it is, and and it because uh, it, it's almost more than most people want to try to wrap their head around, uh, and and yet it's still there, and uh, and that's why the denial part comes into it. Um, you know, my in my history, um, I, I remember the first uh, two incidents, and, and I was when I was a child, and and, and all all the stuff I go into in the book, as you know, uh, I go into great detail. And the reason I remembered so much detail because I've worked so hard on myself because my memories were suppressed after that uh, pretty much through the, my, my childhood and my teen years. And it wasn't until my early 20s I had symptoms. You know, I had all the, you know, the chronic nosebleeds and I had this extreme interest in, uh, in all things uh, UFO related and, uh, you know, just something innate in, inside me. Um, and, and of course, there was the paranormal stuff, uh, and I go into the paranormal connection to all this as well uh, in the book, and that continues to this day. But mine surfaced, and, and what happens to a, a lot of people, it was surfaced in different ways. Mine surfaced in severe anxiety attacks, um, and 
I couldn't figure out what was what was happening because at this point I, I had no idea that I had been uh, having these experiences my whole entire life and uh, it got crippling. I mean, I got agoraphobic. Um, I had I had suffered depression off and on at various times in my life and uh, and that was starting to happen more and more and then the anxiety thing just got really out of control I, and I sought out therapy for it and I, I couldn't understand it because, um, you know, especially the agoraphobic thing, like I didn't even want to like circulate in society. I didn't want to leave the house. And here I was like, at the time I was a professional musician, you know, I was playing, playing shows every night. Uh, when I was younger, I was an athlete and uh, been in front of and around people all the time, never had a problem with it. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I, this comes out of nowhere. Uh, and I knew I had to do something about it or I was just going to become a complete victim to it. But at the time I had no idea what the cause was. And I think this happens a lot. Um, that people have these symptoms, uh, and, and, and of course it's not always the case, but there's just so much of it out there. Uh, and I've, I find this time and time again, that they don't recognize that it stems from, uh, from these events. But when I sought out therapy, uh, I actually, the first guy, it did nothing for me. Um, I was getting absolutely nowhere. This is with a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. With a therapist. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not one of these guys that went and visited somebody and, and did regression therapy. And this is how, you know, the, through the regression therapy, they found, uh, you know, I've never been regressed for my abductions. Never. I've, I've actually been afraid to. Uh, I don't want to. It was hard enough writing the book and reliving it. Uh, I don't want to go there again, you know, uh, through some of these traumatic events. Um, but my thing happened. Um, the second therapist was teaching me a lot of mental techniques, a lot of relaxation techniques. Uh, I started going to, um, for lack of a better word, like a guru type guy uh, that was, I was learning a lot of metaphysics stuff and uh, he was teaching me different mental techniques and uh, I actually started taking uh, self-hypnosis classes. So I did a lot of stuff because I wanted to get well uh, and I wanted to, I knew that I had to do it myself, you know, like it, it, there was no pill for this type of thing. I mean, they have pills for it now, of course, and they probably did then, but to me, it wasn't a cure. It was just masking the problem. And so I didn't never want to succumb to that kind of uh, a, a mode of healing. So I, I just worked so hard on, on myself mentally to try to understand. I got really heavy into meditation and through the combination of all that, uh, that's when I had the breakthrough and all these memories start coming out uh, in dreams. They start coming out in uh, flashbacks during the day. Something would, I would see something or hear something that would trigger it. And I was just totally freaked out by the whole thing because I couldn't understand. It's like, wow, what is, why am I having these kind of weird dreams? And why, you know, why are these, these uh, flashbacks coming in my head? And it was happening, it was like a floodgate. I mean, it, it was all you know trapped in my subconscious and I was tapping into it and it was getting released. And as it did, I, I started getting better and better. And, um, uh, but I was so in denial about it that I didn't even tell the therapist. I never told him. Uh, he just thought I was getting better by all the relaxation techniques and the different uh, things he was teaching me, you know, mental control things. Um, and, I, 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 that's how much uh, I kept it a secret. And so, you know, even when I realized what the cause was, I'm like, wow, this is just too much. No one's going to believe this. Um, 
and uh, I'm just going to keep this to myself and I can deal with it on my own. And that, for anyone in the listen, is a huge mistake. Do not do that. Um, you have to tell people, even if you think uh, it, it's not even related, sometimes, you know, there's screen memories that are implanted in you that, that, that they'll do to cover up. Uh, so you ha- the, the best thing I can recommend to anybody is there's people out there nowadays it's it's a lot easier than it was uh, in the early 80s when i when I, all this stuff surfaced for me talk to somebody there's people that will listen there's actually therapists out there that's open to this type of thing now uh friends relatives there's a lot of support groups out there um and even if you think it's like the wildest crazy thing you, oh, like nobody's going to believe this type of thing it's not true because um, what happens, especially, and of course my experiences are, are mostly uh, with the grays, uh, and I can tell you from the mental capabilities of these beings, you know, anything that you think that's happened to you uh, probably has, and their, their mental capabilities are so far advanced, uh, it, it's off the charts for us to even try to compare ourselves to them and they're able to control us to that degree. So a lot of people, especially with, uh, with the sexual stuff that's done to us, uh, they don't want to talk about it because they're embarrassed about it, but I'm like, look, you have no control over this. You, you didn't raise your hand and volunteer for any of this stuff to happen to you. I don't know anybody that, that would. Of course, I'm sure you heard also, Mike, that you know, somebody, oh, I wish I could meet an alien. And oh, all yeah, yeah, I get stuff. that all the time, yeah. Yeah, and they have no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea. Um, and so it's 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 very beneficial to release it, even if you even if you uh, just have a small fragment of memory. Because the thing is, if you have a small fragment, there's a bigger fragment there. And some stuff that I remember, I just remember fragments. Uh, but the more you work on yourself, the more what what I had to do was empower myself here, um, and and not let them. Um, and what happened to me there, I'll put it like that to separate the two, um, control my, my everyday life here, you know? So, and, and you, so these symptoms that come up, I mean, there's actually, um, what, what's called PAS now it's post abduction syndrome. So, uh, and most of those things, uh, the characteristics, uh, some of the common ones are like persistent re-experiencing of the traumatic event. You know, there's the flashback things, you know, the uh, avoidance of stimuli. Um, you know, I can never read a, uh, an abduction book. Uh, actually, to this day, I've never read one. Uh, I probably could get through one now. But, um, you know, it's just, once again, it's avoidance of the stimuli. Um, uh, and denial of the event, is, that's another common trait of, this, of the post-abduction syndrome. Uh, the the labeling stuff of a blackout, you know, as something else, you know, like that you you blacked out, or you know, it's once again blocking out the reality of what happened to you. Um, a lot of us, uh, and I'm sure you're aware of this, you know, the sleep disturbances. Uh, a lot of people have these experiences. The sleep disturbances are um, very common. You know, um, I, I'm myself. I, I've always had a problem sleeping I'm, I'm so such a light sleeper because you you go to bed every night and you don't know like it could be months at a time between experiences um or it could just go in succession sometimes um well thankfully as i've gotten older 
they have subsided somewhat, but they certainly have not stopped. In fact, I've had some profound experiences uh, recently. And, um, you know, well, I kind of interrupt recently like that aren't included in the book that have happened since the book came out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's continued on, you know, I, um, and and it's actually got uh, to the point. Um, well, I'll tell you one that's not real well, well known. I haven't released a public, but I don't mind telling you about it. Uh, you know, one of the big, big fears in all this is, um, is it happening to your children also? Is it happening to your partner or spouse? Um, and you, you hope that it's not, but, you know, you, a lot of the research suggests that it's genetic. And I, I actually believe that, too. Uh, I think once they find a certain genetic trait, and once again, I'm referring to the grays, and this could possibly be reptilian as well. Um, I, I think they'll stick with that. You know, when they find there's there is uh, I do firmly believe there's a certain genetic trait that they favor, especially with the grays. And um, once they find that within a family, um, they'll they'll stick with that family for generations as long as that doesn't get split, you know, doesn't get some other uh, DNA trait into into the mix. And so that's one of the biggest things you you, you worry about because. I wouldn't uh, want this happening to uh, to anyone. And um, one of the things that uh, my experiences I talk about in the book uh, was uh, one time uh, getting awakened. Uh, and I think they did this on purpose uh, for my benefit when I look back now. But it was uh, uh, they, they purposely woke me up. Um, and the first thing that I thought about. Uh, when I opened my eyes and I seen three grays standing al- along the side of my bed <clears throat> was my wife, Gina. And I was tr- pleading with them. I was try- actually trying to scream to wake her up. You know, so the protection mode comes in, uh, even though in-, in looking back now, you know, you know, you can't, there's nothing you can do. If they're going to take them, they're going to take them. And I'm sure they probably have. Uh, and because what's happened recently was, um, I think we're starting to deal with uh, uh, some reptilian element, which I never had before. I never wrote about it in the book. Um, I just, you know, I, I just n- I never had that experience. Uh, now, in, in recent times, um, I have seen uh, what I would perceive as a reptilian hybrid, uh, which looked like a combination of uh, reptilian gray and human uh, would be the best description. And, oh, and let me interrupt real quick. In what context did you see it? Uh, I, it was in a dream. Uh, and the dreams, uh, when you have these dreams about these events, um, they're different than like a regular dream. Um, and anybody that's that's experienced that type of thing, these memories surfacing like this, uh, you know, most people will tell you that same thing. You know, it's it's you're there again. You know, it's very... Uh, you know, the details, the whole senses and everything is completely different than just like some random dream where stuff doesn't make sense. And, you know, uh, what, you know, you dream all these things like, wow, where'd that come from? Oh, yeah. yeah, No, no, I agree completely. Now I've separated these. There's a there's a form of dreamscape that is um, entirely different. And and I recognize that myself. So, yeah, let's go on. Yeah. And, And that's what it was. And I think they purposely had set me up uh, for that to witness that. I, I had uh, I had walked into a uh, a room, uh, and I, I wasn't escorted, which is usually the case. Uh, so it was very confusing. And the room, um, 
looked more like uh, it didn't look like any kind of a craft thing. There was a distinguished difference. And um, but there was a guy uh, that was sitting in the middle of the room uh, and he was very agitated, very upset. And, um, you know, everybody was dressed. That's another uh, another unusual thing. And there was a large vat uh, type. Uh, it was probably maybe 10 feet long and six or seven feet wide uh, in the far corner of the room. And nothing else was in this room. Uh, it was very stark, very barren. And there was a woman like uh, in, in sitting in this vat. Uh, there was no liquid, nothing in there. And she was like in a fetal position and she was crying. And uh, the guy was trying to convince me um, to, he was trying to get me uh, to elicit some sort of emotion from me. You know, he was trying to, um, he was telling me um, how afraid that he was and hurt that I need to come on in. Cause I had stopped at the door when I saw him and, and kept saying, they're coming, they're coming, hurry, hurry, and all this kind of stuff. And I kept asking him who's coming. And he says, you know, you know who they are and that kind of thing like that. And I, I really wasn't uh, uh, being moved by this guy because I sort of uh, when this happens to you so many times, you know, they play a lot of mental uh, things with you. And you you actually I, I've been able to recognize it at times that this is what's happening. And I try not to play into it. And I kind of uh, recognize that this was uh, the situation. And so I remained calm. I wasn't going to give them what they wanted. And then he got up from the chair and he went and got in the vat. And uh, both of them were very, very afraid. And they said, hurry, come with us. You got to hide. Uh, they're coming. They're coming. And um, and I actually heard somebody coming. So I decided, OK. And I got in the vat, but I stayed at the other end from them. And they were huddled together at one end. And then in walks um, this creature. And it was something that I had never seen before. Um, and I, I was, uh, frightened by it, you know, because it just, it really took me back. I mean, I couldn't even, uh, 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 comprehend exactly what it was because it did look like this combination. And once again, I had never had any kind of reptilian experience before. And so I actually like kind of half crawled down to the other end with these other two people. And, um, kind of was in the same kind of uh, sitting crouch position that they were. And I noticed that the creature wasn't dressed and um, that it seemed to be purposely, I think that was done on purpose because they were one to getting a reaction to me to, you know, see the full thing. Um, and one of the things that caught my eye about, about, about the, uh, the creature that I was looking at was, um, not only the coloration was completely, it was, you know, it was more uh, whiter looking than, than the grays um, and, and some of the human features and the muscular part of it, um, which is obviously very different than the grays since they're very, very fr fragile, um, was that it had male genitalia, um, except it was disproportioned. And um, I thought, wow, I had never seen that before. And the thing um, came walking toward us. Uh, Ooh, actually, I, I, I hate to interrupt, but um, disproportioned how? Like I'm bigger, smaller? I mean, uh, yeah, the, the the penis part was smaller, and the testicles were abnormally large. Okay, okay, and, just the, um, and then 
and this had reptilian qualities this this being because you yeah and, and yeah, you're saying it, it was lighter than a than a typical gray yeah um the reptilian qualities were um it was very it was muscular it wasn't like uh super large um it was you know average height for, for uh like human average height but it, it had human qualities as well um you know the 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 head was very similar to uh the grays but um you know the facial features were were very similar to like kind of hybrids that i had witnessed before uh gray human hybrids but the body structure was sort of more of what i would classify something between human and 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 reptilian okay uh, uh so you know like i said it looked to me like uh i mean the, the legs were muscular it had pronounced arms uh and that's certainly not anything uh, that I'd ever seen with a gray before. Okay. And and it came toward us, um, and the two pe- the two other people who I perceived at the time to be human, uh, looking back, uh, they probably weren't. But uh, you know, because I look back at the whole thing now, and I realize that they were really just uh, trying to set me up to monitor once again the emotions which is something they're extremely interested in uh and at the end it worked because i mean i was definitely getting scared and uh and i'm not ashamed to admit it you know and uh this uh, this thing uh, gets in the vat um walks uh toward us and it leans over and uh the very last thing that i remember as it's leaning over toward me i'm looking up at it and i see um the fingers and that was the other odd thing you know it didn't really have what i would perceive as reptilian hands you know or you know like the claw things a lot of people the, the hands were uh a little more closer to what the grays look like uh and uh this i saw the fingers coming down and the finger had sort of a flat tip on the end and it actually leaned down um and touched me right on my third eye area where your pineal gland is at and uh, and that was it. I blacked out, and that's all I remember. But um, what happened right after that, uh, physically, was um, that we woke up, and um, uh, I looked at my wife, and she had um, these matching scratches on each side of her collarbone, and uh, that's something that. I'd never seen before, uh, you know, and my initial thought was, wow, you know, how'd you scratch yourself like that during your sleep? Uh, just trying to logic, think logically what could have happened. And I, I just thought, well, that's just the strangest thing. You know, I mean, it almost looked uh, right on each side, almost matching scratches. And she's like, I don't know, you know, I've never done that before. Um, kind of weird. Um, and that was all we talked about it. And then uh, I, I had, uh, got in the shower and I felt this burning uh, on my leg and I looked down and uh, I, I didn't have a scratch. I had like a gash uh, five, about five inches long on my uh, shin. And, um, Ooh, you know, so I was like, right or left hey. shin? Um, you know, I don't even remember right now which one it was. I, I'm thinking it was the left one. Okay. Okay. But, I just I asked okay. for a reason, but yeah, go on. Okay, um, uh, and we uh, kind of thought, okay, well now now this is getting a little more strange because 
she's got uh, these scratches that I've never seen her do that before ever. And I've got this large, uh, this, this gash on my shin uh, all in the same time. Um, and, and I, you know, I just had this, this dream and everything. And it, it was just uh, starting to put um, two and two together. I've never been scratched by the, by the grays. Um, so uh, it started kind of getting me a little concerned about the uh, reptilian element of things. And we're making the bed, um, or I went over to make the bed and uh, uh, got the shock of my life uh, between uh, our pillows on or on the sheet, uh, found what appears to be uh, a, a bloody four-fingered handprint, uh, left hand, um, right between the pillows. It looked like something had, uh, if somebody, if you took your hands and kind of uh, in a push-up position um, to the sides, maybe a little bit, and leaned over somebody, um, that's that's what it looked like. And um, and, oh, so and we, just have you um, documented this? Take, taken pictures? Kept the sheet? Oh yeah, oh yeah, all of that, all of that, yeah. And I are you working with anyone that's that can that can? I mean, I'm just doing something of like, whose blood is it? Is it your blood? Is it your wife's blood? Uh, well, I mean, we, those kind of things are very expensive. I recognize that, but, um, I'm just, yeah, uh, we, we really have kind of, we were so blown away by it. I, I haven't really, uh, brought it out publicly yet because, um, it's just so, you know, like, man, what is happening here? Um, yep, yep. it's a whole new element. Um, and, and I still think it was done on purpose. If it was our blood, um, you know, it, it was a lot of blood because it was like if you compared it to uh, like the little kid when you're in your kindergarten or first graders, you know, when they do uh, the finger painting thing and they dip your hand in the in, in the in the watercolors and, you know, you put it up on the uh, on the paper and, and that's your artwork. You know, I mean, it was like the entire palm of the hand uh, was covered. I'm not sure if it's blood. Uh but whatever substance it is, it looked like blood. Ooh, ooh, let and me just let me inter- ask one question. You said it, you felt it was done on purpose. Do you mean that the event itself was staged for your benefit somehow? Um, yeah, I think that. Uh, I mean, they only left one handprint. Um, I think it was like, yes, uh, you're now dealing with uh, with this as well. We're here. Uh, we're involved. Um, and they wanted to scare us, and and clearly did. And then um, uh, the the uh, the dream imagery of seeing the hand, and then the the uh, you know the real life imagery of the handprint on the sheet. Did they match? No, no. That's the thing. Uh, the handprint um, on the sheet, it's uh, it's it's four fingers, but uh, you know thumb and three fingers. But they're they're wider. They're not the long, slender. Uh, typical gray hand uh which goes back to me leaning more toward a reptilian type uh of a species so um and it's just that putting all this together um you know i'm really starting to think there's there's that element into it and they know that i i'm i know that they know that uh, uh that i have this fear of them taking uh my wife also it's something i'm just highly opposed to uh and i feel very helpless about it and i think uh that's why it was purposely left where it looks like it was leaning over her and um because the times um 
that even the time that I had begged them not to take her with it, went back to the graves, you know, where um, they had let me see this portal in my room, uh, which I know, you know, somebody that's not familiar with this stuff thinks it's just this science fiction, totally sci-fi, uh, wild stuff. But uh, this is exactly how they do it. And, uh, you know, they're using dimensional portals to come in. Um, they, uh, I never knew for years um, how, how they're able to achieve this without being detected. Um, but they, they, they are that advanced. They're able to do this. Um, uh, and I think they, they actually did me a favor by, by showing it to me um, because I, I would always hear these stories of people being taken and floated through walls. And, and really, in essence, that's what, and I understand what they mean by that because uh, I saw this same dimensional portal open up and I, I go into pretty good description about it in the book. And, um, so they and they knew then, you know, because I was begging them, please don't take her, don't take her. And uh, I do think the Greys and reptilians uh, are working together um, to some capacity. And uh, you know, I think there's definite hybrid programs going on uh, with both species and various mixtures. And and uh, I, I think it's rampant. Okay, this is this is very very interesting. Now, um, uh, you also do paranormal work where you do uh, ghost hunting and um, uh, you know so that type of work and you spoke very openly about your psychic skills in the uh, in the book project and you're also working with your wife doing the you know the paranormal work um, let me just I add think they're, oh go on I think they're related I, I've, I've found this time and time again um, Oh, I, I agree. Yeah. I, you're, and a hundred, yeah, perfect. Oh, they're, they're completely intertwined in a way that that is is very difficult to untangle them. Uh, impossible to untangle them because I think they're basically the same core. Uh, you know, the root of the same phenomena is is entangled in both the UFO contact experience as well as uh, all kinds of paranormal experiences, including psychic uh, abilities. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I agree uh, th- that. Uh, and it's it's a shame that uh, too many people, uh, researchers, will um, kind of just stay in this one little genre and box themselves into it when uh, it, it all is dimensional um, and it is totally related. And, I, and my belief of um, how this happens, it has to do with these dimensional portals that they're taking us through. I think what happens is that the... Um, the energy in your body, uh, the frequency, you know, we're all, we're all, everything's energy. Um, and the frequency, it's just all by different vibrational rates. And um, from my research into uh, the spirit world, uh, I believe that when, when somebody transitions um, to that world, that you're, you vibrate at a, at a faster frequency. And I believe that these, uh, the people that are experiencers, getting taken the way that we're getting taken, uh, we're passing through these dimensional portals, it changes uh, our vibrational frequency and raises it more to uh, a, the, the dimension, uh, similar to the dimension that the spirit world is in. Um, thus, uh, we are, are, it, it heightens our, our psychic abilities in various ways um, from this change, from faster vibration, and also we become a beacon to the spirit world um, which mostly is, is consists of people looking for help, uh, not trying to scare people, which is a big, you know, Hollywood myth. Um, and, and, and that's what happened to me. And that's how I got into it because, 
uh, so many uh, experiencers report after after if they have a memory of their experience they report this increased paranormal activity in one form or another yes and yes. that's yeah that's what happened to me as a kid and uh you know i didn't know i didn't even know at the time what, what was happening to me uh, abduction wise i just knew like uh i was a ghost magnet i mean uh wherever my family moved we were in the oil field business and uh, moved a lot because of it uh it didn't matter what house we were in what state we were in uh, there was constant, I was constantly uh, being haunted, so to speak. And uh, as a kid, you know, it scares, I was I was scared all the time. It was just stuff happening all the time. And I talk about a lot of that in the book because I want people to understand that there is a definite correlation between the two. It should not be separated. And in fact, it should be looked into further. And, and, and I, I've met, uh, since I started talking about that, uh, a lot of the abductees that I've, that I've talked to, you know, I mean, some of them are full-fledged mediums. Uh, they, they're, they, they come back with different abilities. You know, uh, uh, I, I, uh, mine is spirit communication. You know, I mean, I, I hear them frequently. Um, and we've devoted a lot of time to uh, helping uh, people with closure, uh, both in this world and, and the next, you know, so I've kind of taken, that's another thing, a positive I've tried to pull out of my abduction experiences. And that's whatever, what you have to do with this. You have to uh, try to get the positive things out of it uh, and use it. And once again, that's how you empower yourself. And, and I'm like, look, you know, I didn't ask for the stuff that happened to me, but I've realized through the years that I have this ability. Um, and so I've got to use it to help people. And that's exactly what Gina and I do. And I believe that uh, you can be around somebody. It was a friend of mine, Brent Rains, one of the contributors in the book, which I've got some great contributors, uh, by the way, if anybody's not familiar, Dr. Leo Sprinkle, Brad Steiger, awesome Brad Steiger. And I'm you're a friend of yours too, I'm, I'm sure. And, yep, I've interviewed uh, Brad and, I, and I, know, I know Leo quite well. And yeah, that's, so that's the culmination of the book is, is these, the, uh, the essays that are, that are at, the, at the, you know, the ending of the book, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, you, uh, uh, you've got, uh, well, even people like Brad uh, has, has told me that he's seen this correlation. With oh, yes. And Brad is actually a great resource for this kind of thing. Now, well, let me just, I, I'm going to, so your wife, now we do, I, she's, she can, she's, she, what is her level of psychic ability, would you say? Well, that was the thing I was going to get to. Uh, uh, one of the contributors to my book, Brent Rains, a longtime UFO researcher, and, and uh, he's got a couple books out himself. And he he noticed uh, he did a lot of investigation type stuff with us, and, and he he knew right off the bat that uh, you know I I'm going to place with a bunch of people. I'm walking out with 25 EVPs, and they're walking out with three. And uh, you know I've got I would hear stuff and say somebody just said this. I would catch it on. It would also be recorded, even though nobody else heard it. Uh, you know, so it's been validated time and time again, and he realized that. And and Gina, um, what what he believes has happened, and maybe she had some to begin with because she's had a multitude of paranormal experiences herself through the years. Um, he calls it psychic seeding, and he he says that it's just the energy uh, when you're around somebody enough that it starts seeding the other person, you know, because energy can de definitely be transferred. You know, I, I actually uh, do uh, Reiki as well. And, and, and when I have time, try to do energy healing. Once again, using this, uh, 
using this that I've been given, uh, or I don't know if I've been given, but obtained through these experiences uh, as a positive. Uh, and so when Gene and I are together, it, it, it's really powerful. Um, you very, know, we, very okay. it, it, interesting. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, so I, here, oh, you, so you, this, uh, you, this is, this is good. I'm being, I'm, I'm listening. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to interrupt, but uh, the, what you said about the portals, going through the portals, the dimensional change, having an impact on one's psychic ability. Um, you know, that I, I res, that does, that I've never heard, heard, you're the only one who said it exactly in that form. Other people have told me the very same thing in slightly different form. Um, there's one woman, are you familiar with Kim Carlsberg? Yeah. Yeah. So Kim Carlsberg, you know, talks and says that the um, the act of being uh, spoken to telepathically, you know, she sort of points out and says that would be the um, you know the opening to the psychic abilities. And in essence, you're saying the same thing. You're, but we're both dealing with the you know you uh, the, the whether it's the telepathy or whether it's going through the portal itself. You're interacting with something. You're uh, with with something that is. Oh, I mean, it just uh, on a different wavelength than than our normal reality. In it, and and you both come to the conclusion that that is what is changing you. So I just thought that was very interesting that you you said something just slightly different, but you were saying something that was, uh, you know, parallel to what Kim Carlsberg had said about the her psychic abilities. Yeah, and, and it could be a combination of things. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and I think anytime you used, you know, the, I think more often than not, especially in this realm, um, uh, it's very rarely one particular thing you can point to. It's probably an amalgamation of multiple things. Exactly. Yeah, and and uh, it's it's once again like recognizing um, what has happened to you, and and. Uh, Get get out of the denial thing, you know, and because that's what happened to me. Because uh, uh, that's what led me into the paranormal. I mean, once again, I you know just rejected it, and I couldn't get any help um, when I was a kid. Uh, my family was like Southern Missionary Baptist, you know. I mean, it's like everything was the devil. <laughs> so you know, you didn't talk about aliens, um, I, I, a ghost, or anything like that, because it was just uh, all all blamed on uh, on the devil and. Uh, you know, they would think you were possessed. If you, if I, if I was telling people that I was hearing uh, uh, voices, you know, I mean, even now, it's a shame because there's probably people that are clear audience that, that that are actually hearing somebody talking to them, uh, and and they go to the doctor and they start uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia, and you know, they're on heavy medication. Yeah. Um, it, and, and kids, and I tell, if there's anybody that's listening to this and you have kids, listen to them, please. Yes, kids have imaginary friends. When I was, my first experiences, I came back and told my mom about the little men who came and tipped me. And she just thought it was cute, my imaginary friend. She remembers it to this day, but it was a real happening. You know, it was something that was really happening. Uh, and when I would talk about the ghost and stuff, now there's been a couple times, I give my mom credit, you know, she did um, go out and check something out or something like that when I saw full body apparitions and, and things. I mean, that's I, my stuff was to that extent. Uh, I mean, it wasn't just like uh, the typical lights coming on. That was that was like all day, uh, everyday occurrences. Like, I mean, doors opening, sinks turning on by themselves. So, you know, I mean, but I would be uh, hearing footsteps. Uh, they were shaking my bed all the time. Uh, 
and, and what I understand now is that's basically um, their way of getting your attention because they need help. But um, as you're, when you're a kid, you know, you don't understand that. But a lot of kids, um, they, they remember these first abduction events. They rem- and even sometimes uh, what happens after that uh, is the paranormal stuff. And it's something that a kid shouldn't have to try to rationalize themselves as to what's happening. Um, it was very difficult for me. And, and uh, it took me a lot of uh, reading. And it, it just as I was one of those kids that uh, went, went to the library and I'm pulling out, you know, books about the supernatural and <laughs> everybody and, else. And is. I was that kid too. Yeah. No, I was all over those yeah. kind of time life books that, you know, delved into the, to the uh, supernatural and, and ghost sightings and UFO stuff and Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. And you're, you're well, exactly the right age to have watched uh, In Search of with Leonard Nimoy. Oh yeah. Remember it well. Yeah. All that stuff. Hey, um, so you, you're this story that the book is is um you know deals with a lot of dark emotional stuff i mean it's very frightening uh events that are very just for me to read i found them emotionally very difficult to read through and that's part of the reason i don't want you to retell them now um uh the the stuff with um there's that one particular story with your the uh the your girlfriend at the time who was pregnant and losing the pregnancy um i'll put a link you tell that very nicely on another show i'll put a link to that um so you are you have you you've been starting to attend conferences is that correct um i've did a a, a couple um okay i know we're both we're both set to do um nope. the experiences speak thing in september so we're looking forward to that um i've uh I wanted to do uh, more. I just uh, at this point haven't really been invited. You know, I, although I've, I've been invited, uh, I've been did a few national television shows. A matter of fact, uh, the, the case, uh, the, the incident you're talking about um, with the fetus being taken, uh, both her and I were on a recent episode of Ancient Aliens uh, on that particular event. So. Oh, and here's uh, a question: you know, I didn't, I have not seen that. How did they cover it? Did it? Were they? Were they? No. Here's my 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 um. Oh, I'm very. I almost want to say repelled sometimes by uh, the documentary filmmaking that gets done on cable TV because it is so sensationalistic and so exploitative. And how do you, how do you feel your story was treated in that program? Uh, believe it or not, I haven't seen that episode. Um, I, I don't watch uh, um, most of, uh, most of the shows. You know, like I don't watch the ghost shows and and. You know, because of the very reason you just talked about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's tough to I turn down uh, a couple of documentaries because of that. And anytime I've did any kind of television, uh, uh, I've made and, and we did some stuff uh, in some other countries as well, and made sure very clearly um, that it was uh, this subject matter was treated with dignity and respect, or I don't get involved. I mean, that's just all there is to it, and. Um, from what I've heard, uh, the ancient aliens uh, treated it very well. I, I, I personally haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'm sure I'll get around to watching it sometime. But um, I know from the questions that they asked me about it, uh, I was very pleased with it. I wasn't there when they filmed her. But, you know, there's a case where, uh, once again, you have two people um, that not only remembered what happened here and um, – and, and I have an, uh, the chapter, the baby takers, uh, in the book, 
that goes in once again to great detail about that. But all these years later, um, uh, and she's did two television shows now backing up that incident. Um, and we hadn't spoken or anything. And uh, she still rem- remembers almost verbatim the exact same thing happening. Yeah, so, uh, that was that was very uh, touching in in one of your recent interviews. I was very struck by that. And uh, uh, so so um, coming forward with this stuff, you must uh, realize that you know, you must have been confronted by some of the uh, what I'll call the love and light crowd uh, that that treats this as uh, which I you know and I I listened very carefully to those to their experiences and um, folks that will tell of you know basically our space angels that are here to you know, escort us into a higher uh, evolutionary plane of 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 love and magnificence. Um, you, you've you've definitely seen that side of the the the, 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 the crowd, haven't you? Oh sure, yeah. And um, and what's your I, sense? Because I, I, I mean, you're 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 telling a story that that is kind of diametrically up. Well, you know, that contradicts much of what they're saying. I'm, I'm generalizing yeah. greatly, and, and I apologize to the folks because I do recognize well, that there's there's real power to a lot of those experiences. But um, yeah, and, and and what I do about it, Mike, is is I I'm like I hope that they're right. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm laughing because that's have, you're quoting me basically. So I, I haven't seen any evidence of that. You know, I mean, because it tears me up uh, to look at what's happening in our world. Um, and I think that's one of the things that happens to experiencers, you know, your, 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 your empathy, you know, maybe not full-fledged emphatic, but, um, uh, you know, it just, uh, I, my whole perspective is a lot different than the mainstream people. My whole perspective on religion, my whole perspective on, uh, on, on mankind in general and, and what, and the planet and, uh, you know, I'm a huge animal advocate. Uh, I, I love, love, love animals, uh, every every kind, every breed. Uh, I, I do a lot of uh, stuff along the lines of that that people don't know about that, uh, to, to protect and help and change uh, the barbaric acts that we do against uh, our fellow species on this planet. Um, and so I just haven't seen any evidence of that. You know, I mean, I, I uh, that has not been my experiences. And so I respect the people, you know, to, to say that. And I did a couple interviews um, with that, and I think they might have been a little upset, you know, because I kind of wouldn't. I just I can't I can't. Uh, that hasn't been my experiences, you know. I mean, it's been uh, very traumatic. My my things have uh, a lot of people I talk to is the same type of thing. Been very traumatic. If that element is out there, um, great. And I, I wish they sort of pick up the pace a little bit because. Uh, you know, if they're if they're entering us, uh, I do believe there is a sort of a shift in consciousness beginning to happen. I do see it in certain individuals uh, that I meet, and I I, uh, I hope it's a continuing trend. I'm trying to do my part, um, but I certainly see a lot more of. Uh, you know, I, I think we're in a downward spiral. Um, <laughs> that, that, oh, uh, I see it too. And, and and you said something just earlier on that I actually apologize that I kind of laughed out loud. But um, you said you know you wanted it to be that way. You were hoping it was that that way and wishing that the uh, that's my sense is that that um, you know like I don't have an answer. I've talked to at length with both sides of of the of the continuum with the folks that have had the very scary, 
very challenging, very dark experiences. And I've also talked to the folks who have had the very transcendent, blissful experiences. And, and I'm quite convinced that both experiences are, are real. And and that the they're and I don't think that some folks will say this bothers me when folks say this they'll say oh you know it's what you bring to it it's your own uh, you know it's your own baggage you know so if you if you have a dark uh, pessimistic side to your to your psyche the the UFO abduction experience will mirror that back to you I've heard that I think that's a very simplistic uh, way to that's look at it. That's a total cop out. I do not agree with that whatsoever. The best experience, the best of uh, one woman said to me, which was my, which is the one that rang true. Um, you know, she basically said, "Some people are just shit out of luck, and that's what happens. You just you end up on the other side of the continuum, and and um, and that's as good as uh, as a definition as any. And I think that is actually better than than the than the yeah that cop out that that uh, very simplistic concept where you 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 are bringing. On you're you're manifesting the 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 dark experiences because I just I just simply don't see that as a as a no. as it, you know and it I doesn't play out in reality. I agree, and I, and I don't think that I'm that type of person. You know, I, I use uh, I do I try to direct my life in in a, in a good positive manner uh, aside from the obstacles I have to overcome in order to do that. Um, and so I'm certainly not a 100% negative person that brings on the negative uh, stuff to myself. Uh, nor do I spread negativity to anybody else. Uh, in fact, it's the exact opposite. Um, so if that was the case, you know, if there was any merit to what they were saying was holding true, uh, then I would be having these blissful experiences also. So, <laughs> you know, uh, and once again, I, I just have not, if these people are having these experiences, God bless you. You know, I'm, I'm happy for you. And it's way better than uh, a lot of the other experiences that I've heard um, about and my own. Uh, and I hope that they take that and pass it on and do something good and positive for us with it and not just sit back and uh, wait for uh, whoever they're dealing with to do it. Um, I just I just haven't seen the evidence of it yet. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, it's interesting because folks who listen to this show will be very familiar with my own set of experiences because I talk about them, you know, at length throughout the years that I've been doing this. But uh, so I, and I'm not sure what I told you when we spoke on the phone now, but my my experiences, I feel like I uh, like if you have a table, right, and you're making a puzzle, you know, a, a jigsaw puzzle on the table, and you put all the pieces together and they link together really nicely, but you realize that some of the puzzle pieces are missing. You can still step backwards from that table, get a good overview and say, oh, I can see exactly what the image of the puzzle is. I can see the puzzle. I know what it is. But there are those elements missing. And that is how I describe my own experience, where the, the stuff that is missing is I don't have like any direct memories of being on board a ship. I, I have some dreams. I certainly have those. But I, and I don't have... Um, uh, those type of I have attempted hypnotic regression a couple times. I've, I think I was just too freaked out to go under it. So when you said earlier on um, that you were afraid to get regressed, I mean that rang very true to me. It's very stressful the thought of of. Well, it is. It is. And you know I've talked to. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, oh no. Where was I going with this? Um. Oh, so so uh so I feel like it's very interesting. So my experiences have I've had a. I've had one experience that was so terrifying that it defies all logic. I mean, it's there. Like simply vocabulary words cannot describe the level of terror that I felt. Um, 
and that involves an event in a tent, and I've talked about it a lot. But anyway, so I, and that was with another person. She also has had a lifetime of very unusual uh, experiences that might imply a lifetime of contact. I, I don't want to put words into her mouth, but um, right. now, and then, and then I, that night, I definitely had something that played out exactly like a UFO abduction experience where I was floated out of the tent and, you know, floated into a white realm. And I'll say that I was not in a, I have no memories of being on board a room or a craft or a ship or anything like that, but I do remember being in a magical white realm that, that almost mimics the near-death experience more than than the contact experience that other UFO uh, witnesses will report. But um, And then also that the morning after, I had a very unusual scratch that went from my right shoulder to my belly button, excuse me, my left shoulder to my belly button. And when you looked closely at it, it wasn't a scratch at all. It was actually a line of of very tiny blisters all in a row, like little itty-bitty fluid-filled blisters all in a row. Uh, And then, um, so, and then, now, but I've also had, like, synchronicities that are so magical and so powerful and so, I almost want to say, sparkly in in their delightful qualities. So, you know, so I recognize there is this buoyant side to my own experiences, these magical synchronicities that are just playing out like a like if someone wrote it in a Hollywood script, you know, the the script supervisor would come back and say, ah, we got to take that out. That's a little over the top. That's kind of ridiculous. Um, and that, that's I've definitely experienced both these magical things and these these uh, the, the and that one dark event. So so it gives me a position to be. I almost want to say agnostic about about the, the 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 phenomena in its entirety, and 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 I can oh I just feel it's so I, I I try to stay very balanced and not fall too far on one camp to the other. Even though what happens is I I I think I'm just so weirdly empathetic at times that that when I talk to someone who has dark experiences, I just I feel like I live through their you know, what they describe. And the same thing that happens when I talk to someone who's had, you know, powerful, blissful experiences. You know, I, I, yeah. I drink that in and I, I relate very strongly to both camps. So um, that was a long thing. Hey, oh, here's, this is what I wanted to get back to. So in your book, you talked about uh, interacting with one being in particular and you felt like you had a chance to ask a question and you asked the question, who is your God? And the answer you got, and I'm reading this right from what you wrote, is he answered, we are all one with the one who is all. And I have heard that in, you know, one form or another, the, you know, we are all one uh, thing multiple times through folks who are decidedly on the love and light side of that continuum. And I just thought that was interesting that that, that one quote was, was in your book. Well, the we are one thing, yeah, but the continuation uh, with the one who is all is something I've never heard before. Um, and my that situation um, was with the tall gray that uh, had befriended me from the very beginning um, and at a time when I was uh, uh, grasping on to any kind of, of friendly anything uh, as a scared out of my mind child who had no idea what kind of thing was taking me or where I was at or anything. And, um, he has been, um, the one person, uh, being who, who will on occasion, uh, answer, um, my questions. 
and uh, that whole uh, scenario was a uh, was a was a in a room where um, he had uh, they once again uh, testing uh, my emotional reactions. I think you know they, they showed me a, a screen with a lot of disasters of Earth and everything, and I didn't really play into it. And um, and he had uh, was standing. Um, I was standing with him and I just felt they had the opportunity and, and he had answered stuff before, uh, especially concerning the hybrid program and, and showed me fetuses. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, there's a limitation to what they'll answer, but, um, the only question that always gnawed at me was like, you know, who, who is their God? You know, do they, do they even have one? Do they worship? I mean, you got these highly superior beings, and, and some people says, well, why didn't you ask where they're from? I was like, what difference does it make? You know, uh, to me, that that they could say, you know, some whatever they call this uh, faraway planet, they could be interdimensional. You know, I'm not 100% on board that they're not, uh, you know, um, and um, they could be from uh, another planet in another dimension. I mean, the, the thing gets so complex that uh, I say this all the time, you know, the more I learn, the less I know. And um, that was the question that 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 gnawed at me. And when he answered that, and he continued on, you know, with uh, with that, uh, with the one who was all, uh, it just floored me. You know, I mean, it was just like, wow. Uh, there's there's just nothing else to say. There's no follow up. I mean, it was just it, the simplicity of it was just so profound. Um, I mean, I was totally satisfied with the answer. That's that's great. That was great because I mean it, that's something that I, I went through a long phase of reading channeled books in the '90s, um, and I read them one after another. This is this is, you know, well before I had even looked into my own experiences, um, and you know I, I I look back at that chapter of my life where I was compulsively reading this channeled stuff, and I realize it it felt like hmm, like that was that didn't happen by accident. And then the next phase I went through was reading a lot of UFO stuff and then looking into my own memories. Um, but that that line, or well, let's just say the theme of "We Are All One," um, is so prevalent in the channeled material, which I, which I, you know, I that just was very interesting that you had direct contact with uh, a, a being and were given a very similar answer to the same question that gets asked of channeled entities. Um, yeah, and, you know, a lot of religious people have problems with um, the whole concept of we are not alone, you know, and and to me, it's it's uh, it's degrading to their own belief system because uh, what I usually respond to that is is like you, you're going to tell me that the God you worship um, of all, and we won't even get into the math of this because really we don't even know. But we know. I mean, what do they say in the Goldilocks zone alone in our galaxy? Million plus planets uh, could contain life, and then of course you go on to the multitudes of galaxies, and you know it goes on and on and on. So, um, I mean, mathematically, it, it, anybody with a logical mind knows uh, we're not alone. So, uh, and I think it's it's man's ego, <laughs> ego that plays into it, and and. Uh, and once again, you know some of the some of the religious beliefs, and and my whole thing is like, look, you you, you if you're God that you believe in, you're going to tell me that He's only 
I don't even say he, I say, I, I don't, they do. Uh, I'm just relating to the way I would respond to them, uh, is only so powerful that um, he's only capable of creating life on this little speck of dust uh, in relation to the, the grand everything in the universe. You know, that's really what we are. Uh, and that's it. You know, I mean, that's all that he's that's all the more powerful just that you know and and they really have no response to that because they understand like um wow yeah i am kind of it is sort of a demeaning thought to my god you know like oh just this one little tiny planet you know that that can create life and it sort of changes their perspective a little bit and i think from my experience with the tall gray uh and that pretty much says it all is like here's another species that acknowledges uh a superior power um, and what form, I don't know, but they at least acknowledged it. And that there is high intelligence species that recognize that we're, we're all a part of all there is. You know, we're all interconnected, um, which I think goes back to uh, the energy thing again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I have books all over my house here. I mean, they're stacked and stacked and stacked up. And I wish I could find this one quote because I thought it was wonderful where an abductee on board a craft um, had the chance to ask a question of one of the beings. And the question, this I think it was a woman, and the question she asked was, um, did God create the universe? And the entity replied back and said, no, God is creating the universe moment by moment. Which is mm. which is a f- totally it's almost like a Zen Cohen you know it's got this kind of like uh, you know riddle kind of entwined in it which I think is beautiful and it was in so I you know that's the kind of thing where oh my you don't have to any two you know any thinking person who has a conversation with someone else about this stuff this UFO stuff it doesn't take long before they're asking the really big questions you know who are we where are we from what are, what are we doing here why you know where are we headed um, those questions are uh, are they, they just well up out of this phenomenon at least for me and I worry yeah. about the folks who don't ask those questions who get who get into this and then and then are doing the research and and they don't go down that avenue i mean you know they're they're more concerned with the you know measuring the burn marks in the yard of the of the of the ufo witness and not asking the the bigger more profound questions you know that's something that's a pet peeve of mine actually uh, and and when when you're uh, got some time into this and everything it, like i i think uh, uh there's uh too many people uh, going down the wrong wor- road looking for the answers, uh, and and th- I just think you know how many years have we been uh, you know looking at pictures of lights in the sky and interviewing a witness that's seen a weird light in the sky, and like you said you know measuring the burn marks and radiation levels and and all that and and really where's have gotten us, you know I mean we're, we're not any further along than we were in the the 60s you know so uh, as far as like the of, of proving the existence of anything and um i really think that the the real research um to life uh besides ours um is through the contactees and the abductees i mean these are the people that have the experiences um that see uh 
what's what these crafts look like you know that that can give descriptions of these beings um to get some insight into their their uh, mode of thinking and their characteristics um and all these different various things i mean even like myself like through the years like i speaking to the tall gray i i think the tall grays are actual v grays um the small grays that we see depicted in the media all the time, uh, I, I really believe that they're biological robots. Um, I've said this numerous times. Um, and as, as have a lot of other people, yep. Uh, because from my all my experiences with them, uh, you start you start learning that. You know, it's like, look, these things, um, they're completely logic-based. Um, they have this hive mentality. They seem to just be performing their duties. Um, uh, anything that goes against their logic confuses them. Um, uh, they, they all look almost identical and uh, same size. You know, I mean, they seem like clones of themselves uh, with the same kind of program mentality, um, whereas the tall gray is that's not the case. And so, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you learn from these experiences. And um, now I don't think anybody, we talked about this before, I don't think anybody it can say on the agenda what it is uh what what the true agenda is and uh, that's one of the things um that you know we we had a laugh about when we were talking you know it's like uh there's the people that are out there that say they know the agenda um, (laughs) yeah run away run away run 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 fast you know because uh, there's just no way um, well, no. Here, I'll, I will interject that that folks who have the firsthand experience, like I feel like I've gotten uh, to be, you know, adult enough. Let's put it that way, to you know, listen very carefully to people's firsthand experiences, and then what I do is I, you know, I take those very seriously. The stories they tell, what I take less seriously, and take, le- you know, I, I I put it into my, you know, basically my little, you know, my data processor between my ears, but I don't it doesn't carry the same weight as the first-hand experiences, is their conclusions, especially if they're if they're sort of righteous conclusions, like if they say they know. Um, I, my sense is that a lot of people with first-hand experiences will jump to conclusions, um, and that and that doesn't interest me at all. Well, it interests me a little bit, but 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 what interests me is the stories that they share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what you're dealing with on on, um, I mean, my conclusion. Um, the only the only thing that I the only thing that I know is that there's a hybrid program going on. And Why what the, what the agenda for that is 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 just as much a mystery. I agree that there's I have heard uh, it's it's almost and I've asked um, a few researchers about this. I will say you know when you work with win, win, women who have abduction experiences or contact experiences or whatever word you want to use, you know what is the percentage that that have had some sort of pregnancy issue or some or meeting a, uh, a hybrid child or or being presented with a with a fetus or a baby um, my sense from my own talking to folks the anecdotal data that i have from my direct you know hours and hours and talking to what it seems like now many hundreds of people my sense is that it's 100% of the women will tell of something like that and then and then a few researchers will say, well, that's probably not quite right, but it's very high. So my sense is, you know, if it's not 100%, it's very close to 100% of the women that have had this experience have also had some sort of, um, you know, the, the telltale signs of, of what we're yeah. now calling the, the hybridization program. 
Yep. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, that uh, is something that I, I feel pretty confident in concluding um, that that's definitely going on. And these, these things are going on with women uh, as well as uh, sperm being extracted from men on a regular basis. Um, and I know that from what has been done to me and what I've witnessed uh, also with other people that the greys in particular are very interested in, in uh, human emotions and um, and our sexuality um, and it's not uh, it's not uh, the the biological aspect of uh, you know how we reproduce I'm sure they figured that out a long time ago you know but it's the uh, mental aspect behind it uh, and I think that goes back in direct relation to the hybrid program that's going on because they're creating these hybrids uh, that has a different uh, Person, they, they actually have personalities, you know, I mean, it's well known that the, the, the greys uh, pretty much uh, lack any kind of emotion, uh, or if they if they do, they're, they're doing a very good job of hiding it. Um, no, that said, and, I have heard more than one person say they were, they were, they felt an overwhelming love. And then sometimes I'll hear people say they felt an overwhelming love, but they felt it was projected into them. Uh, and they, they almost felt angry that the, that the deception was so, um, that's just what I was so, say. so fully realized. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what I was going to say. They can make you think anything. And that's what, uh, I just reiterate this over and over the mental capabilities of these things. And until you get a grasp, uh, and it takes multiple times to start getting a grasp on exactly how these, uh, beings thought process is um, and you have to start understanding that um, that they can they can that, that they can make you think anything you know and and that's uh, that's really sort of a it, it goes back into sort of the condescending things that they do like we're not gonna hurt you they, you know they say the same things every time uh, it's just it gets to the point where like oh give me a break you know I mean after a certain length of time you know it's like look okay you're gonna do whatever you want to do there's nothing i can do about it we both know this uh let's just let's just do this and, and please bring me back you know i mean that's the point that it's gotten to me uh you know you you go through all these different stages where you um you, you first it's fear and, and um and you just you know survive survival and and then it's anger and you're going to do that you know you wish you could do this you could try to do this to them and and you're going to go. You're going to resist everything that they try to do to you. And of course, that just makes it harder on yourself. And you finally just to come to the fact, like, I'll I'll just go along. I'll, I'm just going to do this. Please just bring me back. You know. And, and and so there's just like these different levels. But uh, one of the things that I've learned is they they and that doesn't surprise me that they would put that in somebody's head. Um, but I've never seen anything. Um, even close to it, it, other than like when I was first taken, like, you know, the, the tall gray, uh, sort of, sort of tried to befriend me type thing, but that was for their own use. Uh, you know, they've did like uh, positive things that you can pull out of this is like, in my case, my health, uh, my whole, I, I've just been like ridiculously healthy, um, pretty much my whole life, except mostly like, uh, sinus stuff and I think that was direct related to uh, implants and the nosebleeds I mean I and when I finally begged them to to remove it um, well guess what the nosebleed stopped you know uh, and, and what age and, were you at about when the nosebleed stopped 
Uh, I was in my 20s. Okay. I mean, it went on from my childhood. Uh, I went to the doctor so many times. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And it would it would go in spurts, but um, I was uh, I was still in my 20s and just like just chronic nosebleeds. And and um, then they, they finally took it. Uh, I actually think now I don't think they've removed it by by any means. I mean, I think these implants, uh, I really think that, uh, you know, they're not just some little uh, chip. I think they're like a biological type thing. And also, you know, that, that somehow uh, becomes a part of you. And, um, you know, I, I think it, it probably has to do with the, what we're into now, the neuroscience stuff. And uh, but I really believe they that they can measure like, uh, you know, what's called like the syntax sensory information, which basically it, it, it allows them, the aliens, hear what you hear, see what you see. Uh, they can connect with you at any given time that they want. And, and you know, I know there's people like Eve Organ and people like that, that that believes that they can even control uh, your thought process and, and set up certain scenarios that they want to monitor. And it could be a valid point. Uh, and so I think that uh, there's, that's just another way that they can monitor us at any given time. Uh, going back into uh, the, the emotional aspect, I think that just plays a, a very, very large part of, their, of what's going on with their agenda um, to understand and, and uh, deal with these hybrids that they're creating. Yep, I agree with everything you said there. That 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 all rings true. Hey, I gotta ask one question here, and I and I and I, I apologize. I don't remember if this was in the book, but I heard it on one of your audio interviews. You have witnessed a, a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch. Is that correct? Uh, I have. Um, now, now let me just and- interrupt. That now this is a weird thing. Okay, so so uh, Bigfoot, whatever it might be, um, I I feel strongly that it is probably not a great big giant hairy ape that has uh, eluded our detection that has just been living alongside of us and I'll say you know that uh, uh, the, mere, the mere fact that a lot of the Bigfoot sightings come from Ohio just tells me I, I just don't think that there could be a, a population of of of, uh, of you know eight foot tall hairy monsters basically living in a in a place like Ohio maybe in the mountain ranges of, of northern Canada or something like that, but not, you know, you know, in the farms and suburbs of Ohio. Uh, and also, I have talked to a lot of UFO abductees, as well as um, people studying shamanism, which is a weird little sub-chapter of this, uh, who have had their own Bigfoot encounters. Yeah, you know, it's something that I certainly wasn't expecting. Uh, hasn't happened since then, but uh, it was in Ohio. Uh, I w- oh, I was it? Okay. Ohio. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, that's interesting. I just said that. I, I, I can't remember exactly when I listened to that audio interview, but I did not realize it was in Ohio. That's so funny that I even said that. Yeah, so so I don't know if you know this, and you probably do. You you study this kind of stuff. But there is a curious statistical blip. Uh, you know, it's uh, I think the first place where most uh, Bigfoot sightings are seen is along the uh, California, Oregon, Washington uh, corridor there uh, in the right. mountains there, and then then I think the next on the list after those three is Ohio, which just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. If, it um, doesn't make any sense if you're looking at this as a biological entity that walks around in the woods the same way a, a bear would walk around in the woods. And yeah, yeah, it's it's quite the mystery. It's something I've been interested in. Um, uh, 
ever since then, uh, I was in high school, um, and um, it was in uh, in the spring. I'll just tell you brief, briefly. My and uh, me and uh, two other friends of mine uh, after school one day, we'd heard about this um, old house. Um, you know, it was out in the country, uh, back off the, the main highway, and you know, it's supposed to have been haunted and everything. And I was like, yeah, let's just go check it out, see if we can find it. And we'd heard all, all these directions on how to, to get to go down these gravel roads and went down to a dirt road and it was way back in there and, and um so we we had got uh a drove over there one afternoon and, Ooh, let me uh, just let me just inter- so you and your friends were you had the intention of seeking out some sort of paranormal thing you were going to see a spooky house right right yeah okay yeah, that, that, the- to me that's interesting that's a very telling little little uh way to start the story okay local legend you know that they'd found this couple with died in the house, found them in bed with their faces frozen in fear. You know, one of those Bloody Mary kind of things. Sure, you know? sure. Yeah, every little town has that, that myth, you know, at the end yeah. of town, sure. So we're like, okay, well, we'll go check it out. And um, uh, wasn't taken at all that serious, you know. And so we uh, had found our, found our way back to where everybody told us to go. We ended up on this dirt road. Well, we didn't get, we only got about 150 feet down this dirt road. And there was a, a tree that had fallen or maybe maybe not fallen uh across the block and we couldn't get around it and um so we decided just to hike in from there and we started walking down this dirt road completely surrounded by woods uh there was a nearby river but it was completely surrounded by woods um it was a just a beautiful spring day and um we got pretty far down there and we heard this uh, pack of dogs uh just going nuts barking and stuff and we're like wow you know i didn't know there was any like other houses or farmhouses around nobody nobody could figure out where these dogs were coming from so we're like man they might be wild dogs uh hopefully they're not like coming after us so we got uh pulled off some dead branches and stuff and made sort of clubs uh and to to protect ourselves to fend them off you know if they if a pack of dogs you know start attacking us and um and we kind of stayed still and we're like man it kind of sounds like they're they're coming down the same dirt road we never did make it to the to the old farmhouse and so we decided we would get off the main road and we cut through this little pine forest area and circle back uh kind of a long way around um and hit the gravel road that we came in on and just kind of walk up on the car that way and avoid try to avoid these dogs and we had tested these uh these branches uh, and little did we know, a uh, little did I know at the time, that that's one of the uh, communication things, you know, wood against wood uh, for Bigfoot. And so I, we had hit the trees <laughs> banging on this to, to make sure that these dead branches were secure enough and all that to see how strong they were. And uh, so we just started walking, trying to walk back to the car. Now, we were probably a good, I don't know, I don't know, maybe a mile and a half, two miles back. Uh, so we were a pretty good distance back in and uh, but I'd been I spent a lot of time in the woods so uh, when I was a kid and uh, felt pretty comfortable there and kind of knew my good sense of direction from where the sun was and all the stuff like that and um, so we were walking uh, basically single file I was leading the way and it started uh, the start getting dark uh, and especially uh, I don't know if you ever been like in a real dense woods and oh, yeah. especially with, oh, yeah. with pine trees you know it, it gets even darker. Um, and uh, so it, it was starting to get a little hard to see. We didn't have a flashlight, matches, nothing. Um, 
And we started getting a little bit concerned, like, man, you know, where are we? Are we lost? Um, and I found a deer trail and I knew that the, the deer trail was going to lead to the river. So uh, I told the guys, like, look, let's just, you know, just follow me. I'll follow the deer trail because the river was on the other side of this field uh, by the gravel road that we came in. So I knew we were headed the right direction. I was like, look, this, the deer is going to take this to the river, you know, so we'll run into the road. And so everybody agreed. So we started following this deer trail and we, we got to this, uh, this uh, grassy uh, clearing. Um, and uh, there was, uh, I, I stopped everybody because I, having spent the amount of time in the woods that I had, I, I recognize this is not a good sign. Uh, everything got deathly quiet. <laughs> you know, so. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. No, so deathly quiet is also a UFO. People who witness UFOs will talk about that, that eerie silence. But keep going. That's true. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of sent the red flags up for me. And I told everybody, I was like, uh, just stand here for a second, you know. And, and everybody was getting a little bit on edge. But, uh, you know, like, okay. And we, we started to proceed a little bit further. And I saw um, we were starting to get back in a little bit of the trees again. But I saw this uh, this sort of opening in the tree line. And it looked like that uh, the field that was, uh, there was an open uh, farm field down this one road that we had drove in. And I thought I could see it. And I was like, hey, I think that's the, the field over there. And it was just about a 10 foot gap in the tree line there that we could see through. And I, I couldn't see any more trees. So I thought it was that field. I'm like, ah, oh, we found the road, you know, was we were all happy and stuff. And just started walking toward that clearing, the little opening in the wood line. And I saw something uh, unusual uh, about 50 feet ahead of us, and um, I thought it was somebody like trying to scare us or something, but nobody knew we were out there, but still that was my first thought. And it looked like somebody crouching down uh, behind like some sort of brush, and uh, and I just thought, oh, geez, you know, somebody's, they're waiting for us to walk up by this clearing, and they're going to jump out and try to scare us or whatever. And... Uh, so I took, I walked a few, a little bit further and then I, the guys, you know, I said, Hey, you guys see that? And, and, but the curious thing about it was it looked all white. And then I started thinking that somebody dressed in all white, you know, I mean, this is just a thing a 17 year old kid's going to think, you know, that, um, Bigfoot was the farthest thing from my mind at that point. And so we could, we couldn't really, we just kind of stood there, like not really trying to figure out your eyes, trying to focus. It wasn't completely dark, but it was getting, it was getting, uh, the sun was going down and trying to focus on what exactly uh, that we were all seeing. And um, we were all still standing pretty much in a single file. And then all of a sudden uh, this, what we didn't know what it was, uh, grabbed the, like these sapling trees that were sort of uh, in this brush pile. And with uh, and shook them like really hard, really aggressive, and we're like, "Wow, uh, this person's really strong," you know. And so that really got us scared, and um, really wasn't quite sure what we were going to do. And so we we're just sort of frozen in fear. And then the thing stands up, and it's just humongous. I mean, just humongous. Uh, I'm take almost a guess. Six, what, what would you say? Well, I'm almost six four. I would say uh, two to three feet. Uh, taller than me okay so well uh, into the eight foot range wow okay yeah yeah and and you know broad the, the typical bigfoot description the thing is it was completely white uh, now that, hold on, i'm going to just interject here this is very interesting you told a reptilian story earlier 
and you described it as being I don't know, I want to say white, but a light colored, which is very unusual. I don't think I've ever heard that report before. And then and then you you're describing this Bigfoot as being white. I just I just I don't know if that means anything. I just wanted to point that out. Well, I didn't get a good look at its face. Um, it just had the long arms, the wide shoulders, uh, the, the sort of cone shaped head. I could clearly see that part of it. Uh, and it stood with both arms just down at the side directly fa- just a face off. Um, and you, I mean, it was just, uh, everybody, it was a sort of that, uh, fight or flight response kicks in. And, uh, I, I sort of feel bad about this now, but my reaction was, I knew that I wasn't going to run back into the woods, uh, after being <laughs> lost for, you know, all the time we were lost. And I, and I finally found possibly our, our way back to the car. Um, so I screamed through my club at it, uh, and took off running to the opening, which was literally right beside where this thing was standing. I mean, right beside it. Uh, and uh, I remember, and so did the other guys did pretty much did the same thing. And I remember like seeing out of my peripheral vision, I was running past this thing with everything I had and um, seeing it like turn its body, uh, sort of like uh, the whole shoulders and head went together. Um, the opposite direction from us and walking it wasn't running or nothing but it just kind of shifted its body and then just uh walked away the other direction now it could have easily grabbed us there's no doubt about it we were that uh, literally six to seven feet away from it um and uh, when we when i went through the clearing it, it turned out to be like a a sort of a ditch alongside the road and the, so the ground just dropped out from under us uh, all three of us landed on the road um, and uh, just took off running us with everything we had. Uh, you know, all of us just scared out of our minds and got got back to the car. Um, and it was before the days of uh, pushing a button to unlock your car. It was stuff like you see in the movies, you know, hurry up, hurry up. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Try, I could imagine. Yeah. Get the car unlocked, you know, drove like a main. In fact, we drove way, way around through back roads. We wouldn't even drive back to the St down the same uh, direction of where we had had this uh, sighting. And on the way, when we finally calmed down, we were starting to get back in town, and um, uh, we uh, had, we decided there was a, the local hangout was the Dairy Queen by the park. And and uh, so we went there, we made a pact between us. Uh, I was like, look, don't ever tell anybody, they're just going to make fun of us. And um, <laughs> so we kind of kept it to ourselves. So we read some girls there that, that knew we I mean, there's like you guys okay you know it was one of those things you know they, they i guess we must have looked a little pale at the time uh but it, it wasn't uh years later a friend of mine don keating uh he does the uh ohio bigfoot conference for 25 years i don't think he's doing it now but he's a pretty well-known bigfoot researcher and um he found a, a video that he had been out in an area Oh, probably about a 30-minute drive uh, from the area where we had this uh, sighting. Um, and he had left, he had a, on a, his camera on a tripod. He'd been out filming this uh, pond area, searching for Bigfoot. Didn't see anything. And he had left the camera on and just put the tripod over his shoulder, walking back to the car. And uh, let it, I think 18 months later, he was uh, going through his old videos and stuff, uh, recordings, and happened to see that he had filmed a white Bigfoot uh, crossing an opening where they laid power lines down. 
and cleared it in about three steps, about a 30 foot gap. Uh, you know, looked like three, three and a half steps, you know, so it was a large creature. Uh, and we've always wondered, like, since it was in the same proximity of uh, where I had my sighting, that was like the same, the, the, the same one, even though his was several years later. But right after uh, we had that sighting, uh, this was in a town uh, close to a little town called Minerva, Ohio, just south of Canton. And uh, there was uh, what they called the Minerva Flap uh, with Bigfoot sightings. And there was a rash of sightings uh, in that area uh, right after that. So, um, so yeah, that's the only time I've, I've ever had the experience. But, uh, you know, we think now looking back that the dogs were probably uh, barking at it. Um, and and uh, maybe sent it, it was going the same direction as us because, uh, you know, just to get away from the dogs. Um, so. Oh, that means so that, that, that this that's a oh, this is so interesting that okay so you, uh, someone who said UFO contact who had had UFO contact leading up to that, sees a a Sasquatch. I just think that is so fascinating. I'll also add. So here's my one. This will be I think the last question I'll ask you. Um, have you had any odd owl experiences? No, uh, not really. Um, you know, other than one like uh, coming down and trying to get my dog one time, but <laughs> okay. okay, fair enough. Okay, because that's—I mean, I don't know how much you know about what I've been doing, but I've been doing this research, and I've been—I've had a lot of odd owl experiences, and yeah. um, uh, and I've been doing this research, and it's just one of the questions I ask everyone now. So here's what I'm going to so, so Minerva, Minerva, Ohio. Minerva is uh, the uh, Roman goddess of wisdom, and and. Very similar to Athena, the Greek goddess of wisdom, Minerva is always shown in um, artwork and statues with a little owl. That's her companion, uh, a little owl. So, so, so I just I wrote that down. Huh? Minerva, Ohio. Okay, so that's in essence the totem animal for the goddess Minerva is an owl. Um, well, you know, my family crest is an is an owl. Ah, for the okay. name. Of- <laughs> so. Okay, well, say, so, I mean, so there, so there, well, I, whatever, it's hard to, I'm not going to start a new religion or anything like that on the basis of, of, you know, these little clues, but I, I love this kind of stuff. I just think that's fascinating. Okay, so here's one more question. Um, you tell of an intuitive knowing, uh, when, when you talk about this in the book, uh, you sense or know someone is an abductee. And you have that sense. Is, am I re- remembering that correctly from the from the text of the book? Yeah, yeah. Um, it just describe I, that a little bit because I find that fascinating, and I'll, I'll I'll chime in and tell you why I find it fascinating. But um, I've had, uh, in fact, I, I just uh, I just did it again uh, recently. I, I spoke to Nevada Mufon out here. Uh, had a great crowd, great group of people. Uh, big, you know, eighty, ninety people showed up, and. Uh, uh, and did the presentation uh, on on the book Children of the Grays and and um, during the presentation it's just some sort of like uh, innate sense that I get um, is not always one hundred percent accurate but uh, I, I can't really tell unless somebody's honest with me um, and sometimes I don't ask you know I don't want to impose upon people but uh, it bothers me uh, when I get this feeling. Uh, and I'm in the crowd that big. I'm standing at the front giving the presentation. And uh, similar to a story that I talked about in the book when I was doing an EFP, uh, 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 EVP, uh, you know, a, a presentation on spirit communication. Gene and I do that as well. And 
And, uh, you know, I described that one in the book and, and it turned seen a lady in the back of the room and turned out to be correct on that. But in this particular case, um, as I'm doing the presentation and focusing and concentrating on that, I just, I, I kept, you know, tuning in to three different people in the room and, um, one in particular, uh, I didn't get to speak to, to the one lady, uh, the, the, the one guy that was sitting close to me up front, um, heard, I didn't speak to him directly, but heard through another source, high probability, uh, that that was the case. The one lady, uh, she was actually in the pretty close to the back of the room, um, came up, uh, bought a book and was talking to me and, um, you know, took a picture with her and everything. And, uh, she contacted uh, both Gina and I through Facebook, and real nice lady, very knowledgeable about the subject. And so after conversing with her a little bit uh, through Facebook, uh, I just asked her, you know, and uh, sure enough, uh, I was spot on. You know, she, she had experiences. So uh, it, it's just some kind of um, uh, you know, something that I just recognize uh, a lot of the times uh, when, when I run across people I think had genuine experiences. It's very interesting because I've had the same experience. And curiously enough, through Facebook, oftentimes I will see like some, it has happened less. I went through a phase around 2010 where it was freaking off the charts. I couldn't control it. And I would just see someone's little face, you know, the little, little, you know, postage yeah. stamp, tiny little icon there, the little uh, profile image. And I would just go, this person is a UFO abductee. And I would know the date that they were born. I would say oh, this wow. person is a UFO abductee and they're born in this year. And then I would call yeah. them up and, or like, I would just, I, I think I freaked some people out. Like I was at that point in my life, <laughs> I was kind of crazy, but, uh, uh, Oh, well, well not crazy. Let me say that I was a little, you know, like like uh, the the social skills required. I think I was more. I was so obsessed that I would just blurt stuff out, um, and uh, and that I was dead on so often. You know, I basically contact people and say, uh, I actually there's more than one person that I said, you know, like this person is a UFO abductee, this person is a psychic, and this person is born in this year. And it was, and I would contact them and say, hey, listen, I, I, you don't know who I am, but what year were you born? And they would say, they would answer this year. And what do you do for a living? It's like, oh, I'm a, I work as a professional psychic. And like, and have you had any UFO experiences? And, and it was, oh my God, it was so strange. So, um, Well, there you go. It's a, another example of, uh, you know, coming back with these gifts, you know, with these abilities, you know, uh, uh, that, that's just, that's not surprising to me at all. It's it's remarkable uh, uh, stories, but uh, you know, there's you're an example yourself. I I mean, yeah. So that's why I asked because you know that I was kind of your 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 confirming so much of my own experiences where you you know so I am I'm treating that very seriously. Um, that uh, you know your experiences are. So I mean, they just ring so true to me, even though I haven't had some of them. Now this is this is you know I, mean, right. I may be projecting, obviously, but um, you know even experiences I have not had, I read the read your book and certain things rang very true. Um, mm. Hey, we've been at it for an hour and forty five minutes. I should let you go. Um, this has been great. I, I actually we're, so go ahead and plug your uh, site and your book, and then uh, and I'll also put links to those on the. Um, 
the, the show notes so it's easily you know folks can do it one click and as I said earlier I will also add some links to some previous interviews where you talked about uh, the stories that uh, just I, I felt no need for you to retell a story you had told so clearly in another interview so if anyone is interested to hear those stories all they need to do is just go to the show notes and with a single click they can they can uh, connect to those stories I appreciate that Mike and uh, yes, I've really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, the uh, the books Children of the Grays. It's Grays with an E, and uh, the website's uh, of the same name, just childrenofthegrays.com. I've got a book trailer there and a little more information about it. It's available in, uh, on Amazon. It's uh, I think some of the Barnes and Nobles and places like that has it as well. If they don't uh, ask for it, and they they can get it. Uh, and it's uh, Kindle version and print version are both available. So I've, it's very reasonably priced. You know, I. I um, certainly not doing this to, to get rich off of it. Just you know, I put this out to, uh, like I said earlier, to to, to try to help. So, um, and and it's uh, a, it's it's an impressive first person narrative. And, and let me tell you, I've read hundreds of books like this, first person narrative. And and um, you know, so I have a I respect your honesty enormously. And I recognize, I mean, some of the stuff, Children of the Greys, just the mere title implies that there's a, a lot of references to the hybridization process. As, and then there's also some stories that uh, that you are uh, you tell very straight and very clearly uh, some stuff that involves the, the the very challenging sexual aspects that show up in this that that I have um, almost everyone I've talked to that has these experiences will tell of stories if not the same stories you're telling similar enough that they have the same tone. And um, those are sort of whispered at the periphery of this phenomena as it's t- in its entirety, and uh, and I think that I understand why it's a challenging subject to talk about right, so openly. Right. But um, but right. I do I do give you a lot of credit for for speaking about it as openly as you do. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, like I said, I, I I just wanted to lay it all out there for everybody to know the reality of it, and uh, I put in. Uh, you know, my brother's an award-winning artist here, and he did a great uh, uh, rendering on the cover of the hybrid child that I that I've uh, interacted with. And um, I mean, just as, just let me chime in. So, as far as accuracy of that image, what would you what would you say? I mean, as far as it's very accurate. Okay. The only difference is uh, her hair was a little bit uh, whiter and a little bit more uh, stringy. You know, okay, I was gonna. Th- oh God, this is so strange. Okay, because I was gonna say like. Was it wispier the hair, and then so you just said, yeah, yeah. "Okay, okay, yeah, keep going." Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But we had the backdrop to deal with, and and, and uh, you know, so we. But other than that, uh, you know, it's very accurate. Uh, I think you did an outstanding job, and a lot of people have related to that uh, image of of her, and and really, uh, you know, that's one of the, the things that's, that's affected me uh, through the years. Is I never got to see her again uh, after bonding with her. I uh, always wondered. This happened in the early '90s, and I always wondered what happened to her. You know, I didn't even get her name. Uh, they, it, it was one of the kind of the, more of the cruel things that they've done to me, and uh, I, I always hoped that I would at least know what happened to her and where she's at now, and and um, you know, what does she do? And I mean, I, all the questions that go through your mind, and so I knew if I was ever going to do a book, it was going to be called that, and and she would be on the front cover, and uh, even though it's not specifically about her or uh, you know, it is about the hybrid, uh, you know, the the, uh, the children of the grace, but uh, because I do believe that's the main uh, thing that's going on with them. But 
Uh, I've included uh, other sketches that Jeff, my brother Jeff did for me uh, in there to try to give people an idea of what I have witnessed. And I, I've got uh, scars and stuff, you know, which we didn't, we didn't get into that. And I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, I, I took pictures of those and put them on there for people to say, you know, I've been to doctors that can't explain them. Or even recently, uh, once again, you know, I, it's just, uh, I, I put everything I could possibly put out there, you know, um, up to up to that point in time, um, except to, the Bigfoot story. With the, is the Bigfoot story in the book? No, that's no. interesting. Okay, no. I, just, I find that interesting. I don't know quite what to think of it, but um, I mean, you know, in the sense that that this is a because uh, I'm, I'm at the point now where I see very strongly. I've talked to a lot of researchers who do Bigfoot research, and there's kind of two camps. The you know, and then one that will, you know, if they get a Bigfoot story that is goes hand in hand with a UFO they'll document it and research it and then the other side of the camp is if if a Bigfoot researcher gets a UFO sighting in connection to a Bigfoot they'll crumple it up and throw it in the wastebasket because it's absurd (laughs) yeah and that's kind of uh, why I kind of left it out I was like look you know I've I've got so much uh, (laughs) controversy stuff already and I've I've met a lot of Bigfoot people Uh, you know I've taken reports I've taken reports in Tennessee of a guy who was in a deer stand uh, that, that that claims that he witnessed uh, a small craft land in in the daytime, uh, and a bigfoot creature get out, come out of the craft, uh, walk around for a few minutes, pick something up off the ground, and go back into the craft uh, on its own accord, uh, according to him. You know, so. I mean, he didn't. Other than the eyewitness, he had no proof of that. But I was like, "Wow, that that certainly." Uh, and, uh, and I have heard that report in in one form or another, uh, never directly from. Uh, well, actually, I've heard it directly from one person. It's very something yeah. so similar to as to be. So yeah. So in my in my sense is that whatever's going on with the with the overall. I mean, I think there's two mysteries that are intertwined: the UFO mystery and then the Bigfoot mystery or the Sasquatch mystery, and they are connected. And a lot of yeah. people don't want to see that connection. There's just a connection between all this, like we saw that we said earlier, even with the paranormal stuff, and and I hope that people start realizing because I think we're getting a lot closer to the answers that we're all seeking uh, by realizing that this this is all interconnected, uh, and that's why Gene and I do the research that we do, and uh, you know we go we have a Halo Paranormal we're on Facebook and. Um, and, and uh, a lot of the uh, spirit uh, stuff, we, we have a, I have a YouTube channel, Halo Paranormal, uh, you know, with uh, tons of examples of spirit communication on there. And um, we're not really some paranormal group. It's just us. But, you know, just make it easier for people to remember. <clears throat> but we we do that. You know, we'll go to talk to somebody about crypto and stuff, especially uh, Bigfoot and, of course, the ghost stuff and, and the UFO stuff because we keep finding – and Brad will tell you this, too. You know, we keep finding all this stuff interweaving with each other, you know, uh, and I, I think we just get a, a, a much broader perspective of, of all this uh, mystery that we're surrounded with. Uh, it's a lot to take in, but uh, you just find like it does start kind of like weaving into each other. Yeah, oh, that is exactly <laughs> what I found and I found it in my own life. So I mean the synchronicities and and I will I will also say um, the owl sightings for me in particular are are interwoven with uh, 
you know, like who do I talk to, right? So I, you know, that's my that's my question. You know, when you when you when someone comes to you, or if you have like a, oh, let's say like an experience like I've had, you know, with with owls, you know, who do I talk to? Do I mean, um, in in essence, I don't, I can't go to MUFON. You know, they're not going to pay any attention I, to me if I have an owl sighting. Um, though right. I feel strongly that it is interconnected with this UFO stuff. I don't know how. I don't know why. And then, um, uh, you know, so do I? Do I contact MUFON or do I contact? you know, the shaman at the local Indian reservation. Yeah. I, I would lean toward the, the shamans, um, um, because there's a lot of wisdom in that too. And a lot of the native beliefs and, uh, and you know, you can go that, uh, like my grandmother, uh, was a Cherokee. So I've got a lot of native blood. A lot of abductees have native blood. Oh, That's so in the, the name I, Oldham, is that, is that Irish or Scottish? Uh, it's English, but my mom's name was McCormick. So, I found uh, uh, you know sort of Irish, so I'm basically Irish, English, and, and native. Okay, and that uh, and that and those those combinations here. Let me ask a real quick. Do you know your blood type? I don't, but okay. I'm gonna. I, I I know it's rare. I've been told it's rare. I just don't remember exactly what it is. Uh, I've I've actually I got a physical about a year ago because I know about the uh, the uh, uh, what is it, the RH the RH, RH negative ne- factor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, and I'm I'm really trying. That's one of the things on on my list that I'm going to try to do because I. Uh, uh, I just recently got a physical last year, and and uh, I called them up, and they're like, "Oh no, you know, you have to pay extra for that," and blah blah blah. <laughs> so, so next time, I'm going to try to find out. But um, and and I, just so you know, there's a, there's you can go to a like any big drugstore, you could ask behind the counter, and they will have a um, either that or you order it online, and it's like nine dollars or something. There's a very simple test where you prick your finger and just get a little tiny drop of blood, and you put it on this paper, and it and, and there's a way to figure out your your um your blood type. And I did that, and I'm A negative, so I actually am part of the uh, Rh negative factor blood group. I didn't know that. I'm going to look into that because yeah. that's interesting. Another interesting aspect of it, and and the old uh, the uh, you know the native and Celtic mix uh, seems to be pretty prominent uh, uh, traits of a lot of uh, abductees. So they seem to sort of lean, um, at least with the grays, lean lean toward that combination. It seems like from from what I found out, and and that's uh, you know certainly what I am and I and I know the blood type thing plays uh, plays in especially uh, with a lot of reptilian experiences a lot of people talk about that so uh, you know there is uh, common denominators in a lot of this and yeah yeah and and what I'm seeing now as far as these patterns I'm just I'm I'm um, uh, I just recognize how cleanly I fit into some of these patterns and and it has um, it's just continually confirming it. I just feel like if I if I walk away from it and I just you know don't think about it and I'm like wait a minute did this stuff really happen and I'm like no it couldn't possibly be and then all I have to do is just re-examine the stuff in my life and I'm like oh yep I guess I you know so so there's a part of me that just wants to slide into that denial thing. I can just that pull is always oh, there. That's that's it you know and what I was going to say earlier about the native stuff you know I would go to them because a lot of the tribes uh, and the Cherokee being one of them believe that they uh, came from the stars. I mean, you know, that basically, you know, that there, there's a lot of uh, beliefs uh, of, uh, in, the, in aliens and, and actually aliens creating um, a lot of tribes be- think they began that way. So, um, you know, they have that connection um, uh, to, to that aspect of it. And, um, I think they would better understand the the whole symbolism of the owl thing um, 
and you know why these synchronicities keep happening uh, to you, I think I would definitely go, go down that road to, to try to find out. Yeah, and I have tried MUFON, and MUFON is, you know, whatever this, like, you know, it's like nothing has happened. Um, and my stuff is so ethereal at times that that I that doesn't surprise me that they're kind of a nuts and bolts organization, and 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 I would be, you know, like be ridiculous for me to to seek any help from them. So. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks so much. I, and while we were talking here, I looked up your family crest, and sure enough, there's a, there's four owls on it, depending on how it looks. Um, either you know, so there's a, and uh, the your 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 motto, your your for your family motto is uh, safer adieu, and that that translates to dare to be wise, which I just, I just think is very interesting because dare. I mean, that that I think dare is actually almost important to be wise. I mean, I just I recognize the the courage that it took to to put out that book and i and i i respect it uh enormously uh what you did so well thank you it's uh it's always good to hear that i mean it, it i can't say that it's been easy um you know but uh you know it's when i when i talk to people like you and, and other people it, it certainly makes it all worthwhile so and, i appreciate you having me on mike and you know it's, it's been a it's been a very interesting interview good good and i'll give you a heads up when it gets posted online and i look forward to meeting you and your wife in person coming up in september Oh, yeah. We're looking forward to it. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks so All much. All right. Have a good day. Talk Bye to you now. later. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Mike. I am chiming in at the end of the editing process. Uh, hey, pretty interesting that he saw Bigfoot, a white Bigfoot, near the town of Minerva, Ohio. That uh, that one didn't escape me, the little owl synchronicity, Minerva being the Roman goddess of wisdom with the owl as her companion. I'm looking at my notes here that I took during the interview, and a couple things. Um, he pointed out that abductees often make uh, for good mediums, which is sort of what he's doing as far as his ghost investigation uh, and the communication he's getting. And as we were talking, I just penciled in a few things, and I'm going to read them here. So I just made some bulleted points as far as things that show up that abductees, people with the UFO contact experience, things that show up with them in a way that I just find amazing, and that would be um, mediumship, uh, Reiki masters, which which uh, Brett said that he does Reiki work, and I cannot tell you how many people I have talked to who have had the UFO contact experience and then kind of drop the fact that, oh yeah, I do Reiki healing, I'm a Reiki master. Very interesting and very consistent. Um, they're also artists. Now, he, he, uh, now, Brett plays in a band, and I do illustration work. Now, this is just so interesting that the creative types, people with a creative side to their personality or their consciousness, have this experience in a way that uh, I, I'm not, I don't understand it. That, that is, that's uh, statistically higher in my anecdotal research uh, in among the, uh, the people who claim the contact experience. And and then very empathic and uh, and just the fact that he's that Brett seems so sensitive. I just I, I just see him as such an empathic or a person capable of great empathy. Let me put it that way. And then channeling shows up. Uh, people who have UFO abduction experiences will very often say that they start channeling. Uh, we touched on it very briefly. Uh, mostly the fact that I had read a bunch of channeled books. But uh, the, the channeling thing is definitely intertwined with the overall UFO thing, and a lot of researchers will not touch that subject. And now, now I'm not sure if I used the word at any point during the interview. I don't think I did. 
Uh, but uh, I, I have to say I feel a very strong kinship to Brett. And I'm not exaggerating. I felt it when I read the book, and I've certainly felt it when I've listened to his podcast, and I really felt it talking with him directly here. And I, uh, and I recognize the implications of what that, what that means. Uh, one more little side note. Uh, I did very little editing, pretty much zero. Uh, at one point, um, I had to clear my throat, and that's the only thing I edited out of this, this dialogue between Brett and I. So I may sound a little bit more mumbly than I usually sound during these interviews. So if you've made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now.